Romans 6, beginning in uh, verse 1, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, it says this. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we joined, we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the power of the cross. Again, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, for your wonderful grace. We thank you, Lord, for uh, everyone here tonight, Lord, these that are taking a step to get baptized. We thank you, Lord, for the glorious power, Lord God, that you have given us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your awesome word, and we pray tonight that as we uh, read your word and and get into your word, that it would just continue to uh, equip us, encourage us, strengthen us, uh, increase our faith. We know that faith comes from hearing your word, Lord, and we pray our faith would be increased. We would be challenged, strengthened, uh, Lord, and, and that we would be open and have the grace to apply everything that we hear. Father, help me tonight as I present your word and that could I would clearly and accurately, Lord God, present it to your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Romans 6, 4, as we just read, tells us that we join with, with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Through baptism. And um, Jesus did all three of these physically, but we do them spiritually. One of the things about baptism, just jump right into it, uh, is that, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a symbol. It's a symbol, as, as Romans 6 says, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Some call it the watery grave, that when you go under, it's symbolic of the old sinful man or woman dying, and then you're being, you, you die to your sin, and then you come up to new life. When we get saved, we die to our old sinful nature. That's why it's called being born again, Right? We're born again. We, we have an old spirit man that was sinful, that was rebellious, that, that, that didn't want to have anything to do with God. That person dies. We're reborn. And in our, in our spirit, we, we have new life. We become new people. So again, this is symbolic. But I want to go into it a little bit deeper tonight and, and not just talk about baptism, which we're starting off there and we're going to end there. But I want to give, take a few minutes tonight to talk to you about this new life in Christ that Paul was talking about. I want to talk to you about the new life in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says this, just as everyone died because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. That's encouraging, right? Because of Adam, some people say the first Adam and that Jesus was the second Adam. Because of Adam, we all died. We we, we were all... uh, 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 had this born into a sinful nature. But because of Christ, he redeemed us and he's given us new life. Then 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. This means that anyone, everybody say anyone, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This is, this is such great news. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's great. That's great news. Not only good news, that's great news. So when people or the enemy uh, try to come at you with things that you did before Christ, you can say, you know what, that life is gone. I don't even know what you're talking about. We have a new life. All The old has passed away. 
The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So tonight I want to just give you four ways that we should live this new life in Christ. Four ways that we live this new life, which is going to be represented symbolically by these people tonight, these brothers and sisters that are getting baptized. The first thing I want to give you tonight is that we should live a new life for Christ and not for ourselves. We live a new life in Christ by living our life for Christ and not for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, listen to this, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. They will no longer live with themselves. You people, you brothers and sisters that are getting baptized tonight, when you get baptized, when you come up out of that water, when you go under and you come back up, what you're saying is, you know what, I'm no longer living for myself. What I want to do, the ways I wanted to live that was displeasing to God, but I want to do what the Lord wants me to do now. Amen? There's another scripture that Paul goes on to say that, you know what, that, that we don't even belong to ourselves anymore. He said, you were bought with a high price. So you no longer even, you, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You can't just go to and fro like you want. But you know what? Christ has purchased you with his precious blood. Listen, you're not going to want to live this life for Christ just because I'm telling you to do that or because I'm reading you the scripture. You know how I know this to be true? Because I didn't. I, I, I know for years my mom would tell me about Jesus. For years, I would hear the word of God preach. I even tried reading the Bible myself and didn't understand it a lick. So just hearing it and reading it at first, you know, I, I didn't want to change my life. I was doing everything that I wanted to do on my own. The, all the partying, all the drinking and drugging and all the other craziness, that cursing like a sailor, just, just living an a impure lifestyle day after day after day is what I desire to do. And I heard this and, and, and heard these scriptures and whatnot, but I, I never wanted to do it on my own because I wasn't born again. I had to truly become born again and raised to new life in order to begin to want to start living for Christ. Something had to change on the inside. Like they say, it has to get from here to here, right? And so this, this new life that we live uh, uh, has to be a life that's, that's, that's motivated from a new birth, from being born again. When this happens and we do get truly born again, we will experience a driving force to live for the Lord. There will be something supernatural inside of us that will drive us. It won't just be because the pastor told us or because in my case my mama told me or because your husband told you or your wife told you or whatnot or somebody at, at your work told you. There will be a driving force. And Paul tells us what that driving force is in 2 Corinthians in the New King James Version. It says this, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compares us. Listen, when you experience the love of Jesus, you realize, you know what? I've been living my life like I wanted and did all these horrific things and rebelled against God, knew that I was doing sinful things, knew I broke God's laws, yet Jesus still loved me enough to die for me. That compels you to begin to live for him. That compels you to want to give your all to him. He says that Christ's love compels us. Uh, the, the Greek word of, of, for, for compels means to hold together or to grip tightly. It's a sense of constraint. It's a tight grip that, that prevents escape. 
See, the love of Christ leaves us no choice except to live our lives for him. But it's a good thing. It's a good restraint. It's a good something that grips you. The love of Christ grips you and, and grabs a hold of you, not in a restraint like, man, I want, you know, I can't get out. No, it's, it's you don't want to get out. Like we just experienced the presence of God tonight. When you experience, when you truly fall in love with the Lord, you realize, man, I, I don't want to keep going down the path I went down. You know, the Bible says that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when, when we, we, we hadn't even begin to think about serving the Lord, the Bible says that he went to the cross and he loved us so much. We know God the Father loves us so much. John 3.16 that he sent his son to die for us. So this is how we live our lives both personally and how we, should, we have to live our lives like this personally living, walking with him. Personal relationship with you. Living in holiness. Wanting to live in purity. And also, and, and as, as Paul was talking specifically in that verse, was Christ's love compares me to share his love with others. It's twofold. It's our own personal walk and relationship. And then it's to share a, this treasure that we find. I was worshiping to a song the other day and talked about just, just sharing the treasure that we found. Isn't, isn't entering the kingdom of God like a treasure? That's what Jesus said. He even told a parable about that. But his love compels us. You know, for many years, I felt like after I got saved, part of it was that I wanted to share the, the, the love of Jesus and witness to people because I would hear it preached at conferences and whatnot. And, and you know, but, it, but when you get into this relationship where you begin to have just the, the, the Lord's heart, I begin to pray, Lord, give me your heart. And I encourage you to pray this too, especially with difficult people. Lord, help me to see these people the way you see them. When you begin praying that prayer, you begin to experience Christ's love coming through you. Like, man, I, you know, I, I never saw it this way. People that used to frustrate you or aggravate you or, or, or whatnot, you begin to pray that prayer and, you know, the love of Christ begins to flow through you. So we need to live this new life for Christ and not for ourselves. The second way we need to live this new life is live your new life in freedom from sin. Live your new life in freedom from sin. You know that we can live free from sin? Maybe you didn't know that. We can live our life free from sin. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're never going to sin. Maybe that's why I didn't make myself clear. Maybe like, you saying we're going to be perfect? That's not what I'm saying. But free from the bondage of sin. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to stumble. I understand that. But free from the bondage. As I was talking about earlier, I lived in bondage to sin. As I'm about to read, I was a slave to sin. I tried to get out of my sinful ways for years on my own, and I could not do it. I couldn't find that freedom on my own. I would try. I would try hard. I would try even harder, but I would always fail. We can live in freedom from sin that keeps us in bondage and, 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 and uh, keeps us in prison. We can live in freedom from that. Look at Romans 6. Again, 5 through 14, I'm going to pick up. It says this, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves are crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. It's great news there too. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we die with Christ, we will also live with him. 
We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. Listen, he's reiterating this. Jesus died to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and live to God and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Do not let sin control you. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. I love this. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. Let me say that again. Sin is no longer your master. We have a master, and his name is Jesus Christ. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Twice he said that Jesus died to break sin's power in our lives. Can anybody else in here testify that there was a power, a sinful power that was working in your life before you knew the Lord? Like something you kept doing and doing and doing again and doing again and every day kept doing and you just couldn't break free. Like again, for me, it was, it was drugs and alcohol. And I remember when I, I got arrested for drugs one time and, and one of the things was I got put on probation and I had to take a drug test. And so cause I had to take this drug test, I was like, man, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing drugs anymore. I got to take a drug test and I do not want to go to jail. I am done with this. It's over. I'm done. And I was. I was finished for two whole weeks. And then I started again. Why is that? Because sin had power over me. I was powerless again. I held on for two weeks. And then I was right back into my same sinful lifestyle. Because there was, a, there was a, a power working in my life. I had no power over it. But when I walked down this aisle and came to this altar almost 14 years ago, something supernatural happened. And that power of, of, of the bondage of that addiction broke off of my life. And it no longer has power over me anymore. I have no desire to do drugs anymore at all whatsoever. Something supernatural happened. Why? Because I accepted Christ and said, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I pray you forgive me and I ask for your power. The Holy Spirit came into my life and his power broke it off of me, broke the power of sin. He became my master and now I'm still walking and living in that freedom. Amen? Because we're either going to be, the Bible says, slaves to sin or slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what's awesome, and it goes into what I just said. Not only did he break the power of sin, that it can be broken one time, it says here that he gives us grace to continue to live in freedom from sin. So you see, the, the, he gives us the power to break it off, to free us, but then there's grace to continue to walk in it. Uh, we, we talk about this a lot. Grace is not a license to keep sinning. Grace is the empowerment to live free from sin. Amen? And so that's what's happening for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for years is that that power broke whatever sin it is, whether it's drugs, alcohol, addiction, perversion, whatever the case may be. He gives us the grace. We can tap into the grace to continue to live 
and walk in freedom all the days of our lives. Let's look at verse 13 again. I love this illustration Paul gives. He says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. I love that illustration. We just heard many instruments being used for the glory of God, right? A bunch of them, guitars, keys, drums, voices, beautiful voices that, that, that are used for the glory of God. So he says, listen, don't use your body as an instrument to, 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 to serve sin, but use your body as an instrument to glorify God. So here's where the rubber meets the road. What kind of instrument is your body in your life? Let me ask it another way. What does your life sound like? People are listening. People are watching. What does your life sound like? We all are instruments. That's what the Bible says. Is that what your Bible says? That's what mine says. There's one or two things you could use. We're all like instruments, making a noise, making, making waves. What does your life sound like? Does it sound like sin? Or does it sound like the sweet aroma of the presence of God? Does it sound like these instruments that are glorifying God. We need to live a life that is free from sin. We live in a day and age where there's a lot of ways that, that the enemy uses to bring sin into our lives. Is that right or wrong? But you know what? Again, it doesn't matter how many twos, how many uh, uh, electronic devices, uh, how, how much, you know, things are thrown our way. We shouldn't say, well, man, it's just we give up. no. Whenever this scripture was written about being free from sin, the Lord knew everything that was becoming down the pipe. He knew the stuff we had to deal with, and it still applies to us today. Like, man, it'd be so much easier just to live in Bible times. They ain't had TV, internet, cell phones. It, it don't matter. They still had sin back then, too. And no matter what, the Lord has given us grace to be able to live in freedom. So I want you to take inventory tonight. Think about that. Tonight, and as you leave here, if my life is an instrument, what is the sound that is coming out? If it's sin, I encourage you as a born-again believer to repent of your sin. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And ask the Lord to help you and for the Holy Spirit to, 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 to break any power of sin off of you. Because what happens is, and we'll read that later, it says that we can willingly put ourselves back into bondage. And that's what happens. So we want to live a life that's free of sin. The third thing is that we need to live the new life in Christ with eternity in mind. With, the, with eternity in mind. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Obviously, we live on this earth, so of course we're going to think about earthly things. Paul's not saying just sit at home, and you've heard me talk about this too a lot, and just, you know, let's just think about heaven. we got to go to work. we got to do things. But what, what Paul's saying is don't let earthly things distract you from the realities of heaven. Coming off of this last point, don't let things like sin distract you from the realities of heaven. you got to understand that heaven is a reality, and this new life in Christ now guarantees you a spot in all of eternity. Isn't that awesome? It guarantees you a spot. You know, and, and you know, how many of us, there, there may be something, I, 
you know, I got an email yesterday about a conference uh, that we're going to be going to, and it said, register now because spots are going to fill up fast. And if you don't go register, then it's done. The conference is full and nobody else can go. I'm so thankful heaven's not like that. We can reserve a spot in heaven until this life is over. And then, it, that, then the spots will be full. Then that'll be it. But we have to live. You see, if you live with, with, with a mindset focused on the realities of heaven, that, that'll give you a desire to live in freedom, a desire to share Christ with others. Amen? And I think that's the thing. Of course, we got we to gotta be, uh, again, there's things in life we got to deal with. We got to go to work. We have to, you know, we can, the Lord wants to bless us and have fun and whatnot. And maybe not sin, but just look, simple things. I, I've shared this before. You know, um, I love football. And, you know, because I have a son uh, that loves football as well, a lot of y'all have heard this story. You know the saying, the apple don't fall far from the tree, right? So my son really enjoys watching football. And, you know, when, when our favorite teams lose, especially when they have those tough losses, I have to continue to tell my son and myself, listen, buddy, I know we, it's, it's, this is, you know, we, we, it's okay. This has nothing to do with life or eternity. It's just a game, Right? We got to tell, you know, and if you've watched Louisiana teams last year in football season, I had to tell him and myself that a lot, you know. Like, this has nothing to do with eternity. It's just a game. It's just a ball game. But that's an example in my own life where it's not sin, you know, but it can distract you. It can, you know, Pastor Ty was talking to the men the other night. I was telling him how, like, he was doing renovations in his house one time, and that was distracting him from the presence of God. We got to constantly, even though we can enjoy our life, the Lord wants to bless us with things that we enjoy doing, but we got to stay focused with, with our minds focused on the realities of heaven. You know, it was awesome. One day we were, uh, me and, me and my son, me and Joe were driving home one day. I forgot where we were coming home and we were driving home and I'm just, I, we were just talking and I wasn't even thinking, we weren't even having a spiritual conversation and out of nowhere, he began to ask me about heaven. And we began to talk about heaven and man, it was amazing. It's like the presence of God filled my car. But I'm just like, how awesome. Here, a, little, a 10-year-old boy, he's focused. We're just riding the car a regular day, and he's thinking about eternity. He's focused on the realities of heaven, of eternity, you know, and, and that's awesome. And, and that, that encouraged me, and I, I'm telling you, it was just a sweet presence. He was asking about heaven and, you know, all these different types of things. And so we need to live this new life with eternity in mind. This life is short, y'all. We know this. It's short. The Bible says it's like a vapor. It's very, very short. But eternity lasts forever. We need to remember that and stay living this new life with reality of heaven, the reality of heaven in mind. Amen. And the fourth and final thing, which brings us back to tonight and hones this in, is that we need to live this new life in obedience to the Lord. We need to live the new life in Christ in obedience to the Lord. Look, I'm going to pick back up from Romans 6 again. It says this. Continuing on with the, the sin theme, he says this, don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? We have a choice. You become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, <clears throat> or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. We have a choice every day. Who we're going to obey, you see. And that's the thing. A lot of time when people get saved and they get born again, they're like, man, I don't understand. Like, it's getting, it's so hard. Like, my, my life is harder now that, that I've given my life to Christ than before I got saved. We often give people this illustration. Because you know what? When you were, before you got saved, 
You wasn't obeying the Lord. You was obeying the devil. That's the bottom line. The Bible says you're obeying one or the other. Okay, the devil is the one that is the, the originator of sin. And so, you know, before you get saved, you're just kind of going with the flow. It's like all the same fish stream, swimming down the same stream. But when you turn, give your life to Christ and you say, you know what, I choose to obey the Lord, you're like in a crowd of people that are following the devil, and you stand up in the crowd and say, you know what, I'm not doing this no more, I'm going this way. And that's why you feel that resistance, because you choosing to obey the Lord. And it's not easy. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm going to stand up here and be real. It's not easy to always choose to obey. You know, we as parents, we get on our kids like, man, we need to obey. And first time obedience and obedience brings blessings. And then sometimes I think, man, you don't even obey all the time. You're 38 years old and you've been saved for like 14 years. Isn't that right? Or is it just me or, or you know? But you know what? The good thing is, is that we have a choice and we, we get it. We, we can obey the Lord or not. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do this. We must choose to obey the Lord every day. There is a lot of things that the Lord has told us to do. But tonight we're going to focus on this one thing. And again, you know, that's what, what reading the word and getting in the presence of God. The more you're in the presence of God, the more you read the word of God, the more the Holy Spirit helps you to obey every day. In the big things or in the little things. Like when it says go 35, go 35, right? Bible says to obey, submit to governing authorities, right? That's true. I know y'all don't want to hear that, but that's true. I'm guilty of that too. That's another thing about kids. Like kids will let you know when you speed. Dad, the speed limit is 40. I'm like, how did you even know that? Like how can you see my speedometer over the seat? You ever had your kid tell you that? That's just, a, I'm just wondering. You, you have you? Or is that just my kid? Is that firstborn? Okay. He's like my wife tells me all the time. Brother, I'll be careful there. Put that hand down and just. But seriously, we need to obey. And we're going to focus. There's so many things we could talk about obedience. You know, we do know obedience brings blessings. But we're going to focus on the one thing tonight. As we, we need to live out our life in obedience. Again, one of the things is, is, is living in freedom from sin. We know what sin is. You know, the, if the Lord's convicting you, let me just say that before I move on to baptism. You know, there's, there's, there's clear things in the Bible that, that we know sin, sin is, some of the big sins, you know. But there's other things that, you know, the Lord might be telling you. And you might think, man, that's not a big deal. I know a lot of other Christians that do this. Man, it's not really a big deal. It's not really harming nobody. Let me encourage you. When the Lord speaks to you and tells you that something is sin, obey don't worry about what anybody else is doing. If you feel, and you know, you know what, when you feel conviction and you know your, your conscience, the Holy Spirit speaking through you, you know, not to do something, obey. Believe me, it's going to be better for you in the end. Because even though it seems like it's not a big deal and everybody else is doing it or nobody has to do what the Lord is telling you to do, I'm telling you, we teach our children that. We see it. I've been reading through it. I read through it this morning in Deuteronomy. Obedience brings blessings. You can read all through Deuteronomy. There's a whole page or two about this is the blessings if you obey, and this is the blessings uh, or the curses it talked about back then, but the, where it's gonna, your life is going to go haywire if you don't obey. So every day in the little things, what's written in the Bible and what the Lord showing you every day, I want to encourage you to live in obedience to the Lord. Amen? So as we wrap it up, we know Matthew 28, 18, and 20. Most of us are familiar with the scripture. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have, given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to what? 
Obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. The first, first thing Jesus instructed these new disciples to do was to get baptized. Not only does he tell us to do that, and then he goes on to say, hey, we need to obey everything that he commands. Not only did he, he, he instruct us, but also he led by example. Mark 1.9 says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. So he led by example. Quickly, I want to just go through, if you look through the book of Acts, many people obey this. You say, okay, you look through how many people got baptized. Well, just quickly, you can see Peter preached in the book of Acts. 3,000 people got saved. They were all baptized. Philip preached, and the people of Samaria believed, and they got baptized, both men and women. Philip baptized the Ethiopian who got saved. Paul was baptized a short time after his conversion. Cornelius, his relative, his close friends were all baptized after Peter preached to them, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Peter ordered them to be baptized. Lydia and other members of her household were baptized after accepting the message from Paul. Paul and Silas shared the word of the Lord with the jailer and him and everybody in his household were immediately baptized, the Bible says. A synagogue leader named Crispus and many other Corinthians heard Paul preach, believed, and were baptized. So we see the early church immediately, they would get saved and they were walking in obedience to get baptized. So tonight, again, there's some here that are, they're ready. They got their shirts on. They signed up. They, they, they're on the edge of their seats. They're ready to get baptized. But maybe you're here tonight and you didn't sign up. And maybe you, you, you haven't been baptized yet. I just want to encourage you. If you've been born again and you haven't taken that step of obedience, come talk to Pastor Kelly. We have extra shirts, shorts, towels. And I want to encourage you to take that step of obedience tonight. Also, if you are here and you might have came and you are signed up, you hadn't checked in with Pastor Kelly, make sure you do that as we get started to let them know that you're here. But one more thing, remember that you must be born again before you get baptized. If you have not been baptized yet and you walk up here, make sure of this, you have to be born again. Look with, with John, he was prophesying, John the Baptist, before Jesus even came, but he laid it out. He was getting people prepared for the Messiah, and he was laying it out for us too. And Luke 3, 3 and 4 says this. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized. Why? To show that they had turned to God to receive forgiveness for their sins. Do me a favor real quick. Before we baptize, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And I want to ask you, if you haven't turned to God and received forgiveness for your sins, you need to do that now. That forgiveness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So whatever head bowed and every eye closed, if you would say, you know what, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never turned to God and asked him to forgive me of my sins. But you know what, I want to walk in obedience. I want to walk in freedom. I want to have a new life. I want a fresh start. I want to make sure my spot is secure in heaven. If that's you and you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with the Lord. I don't know if I, I'd go to heaven if I die. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up. I see your hand right here, ma'am. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see your hand over here in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? I see your hand. Anyone else? Say, you know what? I want to be right. I see your hand in the back here too, man. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Come on. The Lord's saving souls right now. Come on. People are being born again. New life is, 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 is breaking forth right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. If you lifted your hands to the Lord right now, come on. Just pray this prayer with him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Come on. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Thank you for going to the cross. 
Thank you for saving me. Lord, I pray that you forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would wash me clean of all unrighteousness. Now, Lord, I pray you give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap tonight. Congratulations.